When I got the call that my grandmother had passed, I was shocked. I really thought that she would live forever. I know that's an irrational thought, but I really thought she would live forever. Her mom lived to be 100 years old, 99. She was about to turn 100. And my grandmother had had a stroke about six years ago, but even after the stroke, she was still active, still, you know, would clean the whole house, would, you know, take care of her, her plants and her garden. Um, and so when I got the phone call, I was just shocked, especially I was in, a, in, a, I was in another state, and I was just like, this is, I, I just really didn't think that would happen. And I was listening to that song, many, many people all know it, uh, I think it's from the 80s, I love 80s music, Forever Young by Alphaville. Do you want to be forever young? I don't even, honestly, I don't really know the lyrics, and I read them a little bit, but uh, just the, the title made me think of my grandma. Like, I just thought she would forever be young. And I began reflecting on moments that I would not be able to share with her. Having my first kid, getting married, seeing the church grow. She, she loved hearing about Kingdom Church. She um, obviously helped start, uh, uh, to, uh, to some degrees, the, our previous church. She loved hearing about it. So I was just going through these moments, and I was in my feelings, uh, listening to that song and thinking about my grandma. And I was, I, I felt regret or even just sadness begin to creep in until I remembered that the only moments that I'm not going to share with her are the moments on this side of eternity. Do you realize that this earthly existence, this, this thing called life, is not the only existence that we will know? You know there's a whole other existence waiting for us? So many people, many believers, live their lives on this earth. Believe, I'm talking to believers. Live their life here on this earth without a thought about what is coming next. Believers, do you realize that when we die, we will exist forever in one of two places? You know that? What are those two places? Heaven or hell, right? And did you know that the next place we go, it doesn't matter where we go, the next place we go will be more vibrant, will be more intense, and will be more permanent than this existence? I hope you heard me. The next existence will be more permanent, more vibrant, more intense than this existence. It doesn't matter if you go to heaven or hell. It's going to be more intense, more vibrant. What we do with Jesus will determine where we go. Do you realize that heaven is not just about sitting around Jesus' throne forever? Or not, for some of us that may not have read the Bible before. It's not just about sitting on clouds with little loincloths around our waist with harps in our hands, with wings attached to our backs floating around. Do you realize that heaven is not just about being with Jesus, which I think that will be the most special part, no doubt. But the Bible teaches us that we will rule and reign forever with him. What do you mean rule and reign? I'm going to read you a few verses. Revelation 5 verse 9 says this. And they sang a new song. These are the people that came out of the tribulation saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Talking about Jesus. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God 
from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them, watch this, those people who have come out of the tribulation, you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. There are going to be some of us who are going to be given authority to rule and reign on the earth. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 verse 1. Talking to the Corinthian church, who was a very troubled people. When one of you has a grievance, an argument against another, does he dare go to the law? Remember, he's talking, as I'm reading, he's talking to believers. Okay, this is really important. Does he, the believer, dare go to law before the unrighteous, before judges, instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to trivial cases? I love this. Hold it, hold it right there. He says, don't you realize that you are to judge the world? And if you can't figure out these small, petty arguments that you have with your neighbor or your brother and your sister, how do you think you're going to be able to judge the world? Look at verse 3. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Did you know that one day some of us are going to judge angels? How much more than pertaining than matters pertaining to this life. And I didn't have time to put the verse in there, but he goes on to say, why not instead of going to a judge or going to a lawyer, allow yourself to be wronged? This is, um, <laughs> this is like a soapbox for me. I don't have time to go into it. But we take, we get so angry with people and we post about it on social media. Well, this person did that. That is a sign of immaturity. I don't care how loud you praise God. If you are going around trying to get people to side with you and even, and even taking people to court, instead of being defrauded, it's a sign of immaturity. I was thinking about this this morning. But kids are the ones who scream the loudest. How many times do we have to tell our kids life isn't fair? Life's not fair. We live in a sinful world. There are grown adults who are acting like kids, immature kids, spiritually immature. When you realize that God is for you and not against you, you learn to let him fight your battles. I'm telling you, I can, I can spot, this is the easiest way to spot, spot spiritual immaturity when we're trying to fight for ourselves. We're, we're going to judge angels one day. Matthew 25, verse 20, talking about the parable of the talents. And he who had received, talking about the man who had five talents, he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. He brought, he brought a, a, uh, a, a good investment back to the master, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He goes on to say that I will set you over much. First, Second Timothy 2, verse 11, the saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. We're going to rule and reign with him. Now, what is that going to look like exactly? To be honest, I don't know. What do you mean we're going to rule and judge angels? I don't know. But I take God's word at face value for what it says. How we respond now is critical. Listen to this. What we do now on earth will determine what we do in heaven. What we do here on earth, this is beyond salvation. So many Christians are just stuck at salvation. I'm just going to do this so I go to heaven. It's more than that. It's way more than that. 
what we do here on earth with the time we have been given, with the relationships we have been afforded to steward, all the, all the resources we've been given, what we do now will determine what we do in heaven. Look at Luke 16.10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in the very little is also dishonest in much. If you could just leave that verse up. This is a very, I think to me, famous passage. He's saying, if you are faithful with the little, if you, and if you've ever worked at a business and you were faithful with you know, sweeping the floors or taking care of the, the lowly things, if you were faithful, your boss saw you and promoted you, right? How many of you started off at the, the bottom of the totem pole at your job? And then you worked out. Why? Because you were faithful. But people that are not faithful don't get promoted. And so this is, um, this is something I like to look at. Even in the Lord has brought this verse to attention in my life. Even years ago, I remember I was at my parents' church, um, worship pastor, uh, young adult pastor, and I was moving chairs every week, like probably like 100 chairs and 14 round tables from one building to the other. And I remember thinking, I should be beyond this, moving tables and chairs every week, a couple hours every week. And I remember the Lord saying, you have to be faithful. And actually, it goes on to say, I don't have time to read it, but if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Look where we're at today. So we have to be faithful. I don't have time to get into the story, but Jesus, he said, he, he said this in Luke sixteen ten after he had told a parable. The parable was about a manager who is managing a rich man's estate. And in verse 1, it says that that manager was wasting the rich man's resources. He was just being, he was being a bad, he was being a bad manager. So it says that the rich man said, you can't work for me anymore. Well, I don't have time to go into the details. The, the manager redeems himself through, a, through doing a couple things. And then in verse 8, uh, Jesus says that this was, although he was a dishonest manager, he was still shrewd in his business dealings. Again, you can read the story yourself. But what's interesting to me about this story is that in verse 8, Jesus could have used any adjective to describe this man. He could have said he was irresponsible, he was immature, he was a thief. It says that Jesus described him as a dishonest manager. Like to me, when I first read that, it didn't make any sense to me. What do you mean dishonest? It says he was wasting his resources. Why not say that he was just not a good manager? Why say that he was dishonest? And I believe this is why. The manager didn't just waste his employer, since it's on the screen, didn't just waste his employer's resources, and he did do that. He misrepresented his employer who had entrusted him with so much to everyone around him. He misrepresented him. Again, if you go into the details of the story, you see that he goes to the different people who owe him money and, and regains favor with his master among the people. It wasn't just that he wasted the resources. It was that he misrepresented his, the rich man's estate to all those who are around him. He was dishonest in that sense. So how does that apply to us? Well, let's go back to Luke, Luke 16, 10. I'm going to read it again. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. 
Well, I already know, I already told you that this applies to the earth, our earthly life, but I think it has bigger implications. Let me go just add a few words into this verse. One who is faithful in a very little, what is, if we're talking about this life on earth versus eternity, which is the little? The, this time on earth, right? He's saying if you, someone who is faithful in the very little, this little time here on earth, they're going to be faithful much. But one who is dishonest, one who is not representing Jesus well with this amazing new life that he's giving us through salvation, if they do not represent me well, if they are dishonest with what I've given them, then they're going to be dishonest in the much that is to come, which means they're not going to be given much to rule over and to have authority over. What we do here on earth has much bigger implications than we understand. Listen, this is not just about going to heaven. <laughs> there are going to be people who go to heaven that have nothing to show for. They're just there because of what Jesus did on the cross. And, and, this, is, and this is where this idea that we work to get to heaven is just, it, it's just destroyed. There are going to be people in heaven that are there simply because they believed in Jesus. And that's the only thing that can get us to heaven. Not good works, not because you did this and do that. But whenever we do do things for Jesus, we're going to have rewards. What we do here on earth, and I'm just going to stop. I'm going to ask this at the end. But what are you doing with the time you've been given here on earth? How are you spending it? Are you obsessing about that next vacation? Are you obsessing about, well, I can sleep in on Sunday morning, or I can do this on the weekend? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your energy? And the thing is, this message is for all of us. We can all adjust today. This is not just for um, a new believer or someone who doesn't know. This is for me, too. I love, I brought up Paul before, but I love I love bringing this, this up. Paul went from, in 1 Corinthians 15, saying, I am the least of the apostles, the 12 apostles, to saying in Ephesians, I'm the least of saints, to saying in 1 Timothy, I am the, the greatest sinner that has ever lived. As he grew in his walk with the Lord, he understood that he needed more and more of Jesus. And so this is for all of us. I have to ask myself, this is something the Lord has been pointing out to me recently. What am I doing with my time? Look at Matthew 6, 19. It says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to start in reverse with verse 21. He says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Meaning, whatever you value in life, if it's the gym, if it's your kids, if it's your grandkids, if it's your job, whatever you treasure or value most in life will get most of your heart. We'll get all of your heart. We'll get all of your attention. We'll get all of your affection. We'll get all of your energy. And if you're not sure what you treasure, and you have to be prepared to ask this question, if you're not sure what you treasure, ask somebody close to you. Some of us think we treasure one thing when in reality we don't. I remember I was doing an exercise with, with someone who was close to me. And I said, Would you, could you um, list me the top five things that are most important to you? And they listed them. And I said, okay, now, can you tell me um, 
to place in order those five things, what gets most of your attention from top to bottom. What's funny is, they, I'm going to do my hand like this. They had number one right here at the top. This is the most important, my kids, blah, 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 blah. When we talked about the time and energy, the list looked like this. What was fifth most important to them was actually getting most of their energy. And what was, uh, least, what was most important to them was getting the least amount of energy in their list. And they were surprised when we actually thought through it. Just because we think we value something doesn't actually mean we value it. Whatever gets our energy, our mental energy, our money, our, uh, our whatever, wh- whoever, whatever gets the most of our heart and energy is what we value the most. So Jesus says this, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So pay attention. Go back to verse 19. If you store up, do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where these things don't cannot affect your treasure. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, if you store up treasure here on earth, then your treasure is in jeopardy of being corrupted or being stolen. If you have, if your treasure is in a loved one, is in a job, is in a possession, then your treasure is in jeopardy of being corrupted or stolen. And not only that, it won't translate into the next life. But if you, have, if you are storing up treasure in heaven, then not only do you have a treasure that is indestructible, you'll never lose it. And actually, the treasure is going to look much greater than what you can imagine on this side of eternity. He says, be careful where, where, your, where, your, where you treasure. That's where your heart's going. But if you treasure things here on earth, then you're in jeopardy of losing them. How do we know we're restoring up treasure? And there's a million ways to answer this question, but I have two questions. How do we know we're restoring up treasure? Number one, when we make a decision, are we thinking about this life or the next one? This is really important. Again, I, hopefully for many of us, I'm opening us up to the idea to think about the next life. When you make a decision, are you just thinking about how it can make you, give you a better life in this life? Or are you thinking about how it is going to affect the next life? Number two, when we make a decision, are we obeying God or are we obeying our flesh? Am I, am I, when I'm making a decision, is this something that my flesh really wants or is this something God wants me to do? If it's something your flesh wants, then you're probably storing up treasure on earth. Now, am I saying that God doesn't want us to have nice things? No. But from experience, he will, allow, he will tell you not to have certain nice things, even though you can afford it, even though you have the right to have it, because he's testing us to see if he's really Lord or not. I've seen that so many times in my life. It's so frustrating. I'm like, Lord, can't you see I've done all these? He's like, I don't care. Are you going to lay everything down and follow me or not? When we obey him, we're soaring up treasure on earth. But if we're going to walk in disobedience and be stubborn because we don't want to do this because it doesn't feel good or because it's too much time, fine. That's your treasure here on earth. If we can understand this, if we can understand this principle, really understand it, it would cause us to let go of every earthly pleasure store up everything in heaven. I'm not there. I wish I was there. I've lately, um, there's, there, um, I've been, I love 
even since I was a kid, I, I love watches, and I've been looking at these different watches, and I've been, and I've realized I, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it, and even so much so where I'm like, I could use this time reading instead. Do you think I'm going to get a watch in heaven? Do you think there's going to be time in heaven, number one? No. Does that, and actually the Lord gave me a revelation about this the other day. And I feel like he said, Josh, it's not that I don't want you to have a watch or nice things. He said, I don't want you to spend your time thinking about it. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to bring all these things to you. But what are you preoccupied with? What does your heart want? I, mine right now is a watch. What is it for you? What is your mind preoccupied with? Is your mind, and, and it could be good things. Is your mind preoccupied with your kids? But if you're more preoccupied with your kids than with the Lord, then the order's off. God has blessed me with a lot of things. But most of the, th- I will say the biggest things he has blessed me with, all the biggest things I wasn't looking for. I know a lot of smart people friends and family that are so good with thinking about their future, investing in their future with school or with finances, but they're clueless about their investing their future after they die, which made me realize, I was actually thinking about this the other day before my grandma passed, and I thought, they're actually not good investors because if they were good investors, they would be thinking about the long, long term, not just the immediate long term here on earth. What are we investing in? This treasure is not just about coming to church. I just have to reiterate that. It's not just about coming to church. You can come to church and still not be storing up treasure. What are we doing with our time and our energy? As I was reflecting about my grandma passing away, and many of us know this because you've, you've, this is the, my grandma's the first person that I have lost that has been close to me like really, really close to me as far as a family member in, since my last grandmother passed about 10 years ago. And I know this, but just, you know, it hits, a different, it hits different when it's someone that you, you know, that you're related to and you're close to. I realize that we can lose anything and anyone in this life in one moment. Anything and anyone, right? In light of this message, I want to say it this way. We can lose anything in anyone we treasure in this life in one moment. Anything we treasure in this life, and why can we lose it? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a a sinful world. This is why Jesus says, don't hold on too tightly to someone because you don't know what disease is coming. You don't know when my time is. Don't hold on too tightly to that possession, to, to those stocks. Don't hold on too tightly to that car. You can get in a wreck. The mark can go down. Any, anything could happen, right? Am I wrong? Anything could happen. He said, don't treasure these things. And I realized that in this life, even though I felt like my grandma was going to live forever, we can lose anything we treasure. And we treasure all these things that I just mentioned, our kids, our grandkids, our spouses. But even those that are the most important in this life, he says, don't treasure. Because if you hold on too tightly, you may lose it. If we lose, let's say, and I just lost my grandma, but just fill in the blank with whatever the Lord's dealing with you about right now. If you lose that treasure, and in a sense, you lose, 
and our heart is where our treasure is. If you lose treasure and your heart is, is where your treasure is, what else do we lose? Well, we lose those things that are associated with our, with our heart, our peace and our joy. How many times do we say, oh, that's my pride and joy, my son, my oldest son, right, Dad? <laughs> pride and joy. How many times do we say, oh, this car is my pride and joy? Or whatever. If our loved one or that car or whatever were to be taken from us, what would be taken from us? Our pride and joy. You see, when we lose our treasure, and this is why we don't place our treasures here on earth, because what we don't maybe understand is that is actually the foundation for our peace. And when we lose that treasure, we lose our foundation, and we're left bankrupt of joy and peace and hope and any other thing that we can find associated with our heart. You know, I went to, we went to my grandma's funeral, and um, for most of us, it was, it was a time of joy. A lot of us were smiling. There was a, maybe one or two family members that could tell it was really hard for them, but for like me and my, my brothers and sister and parents, we were just happy. Like, we were just happy we were celebrating. That is not the case for most funerals. I've been to a couple funerals the last year, and I can tell you there wasn't joy there. There wasn't this happy remembrance. There was a lot of sadness. I was at a funeral several years back, and I, I think I've told this story before, but I was at this funeral, and I was, and I was speaking, and the family was on the front row, and their head was down. And they couldn't, I didn't see their eyes one moment that I was up there. They just had their head down the entire time. And I was like, God, why, like, they're belie- and they're believers. Like, why is their head down? And I feel like the Lord said it's because their treasure and their foundation is in the casket in front of them. It's gone. What are you putting your treasure in? And because of God's great mercy and grace, he can pick us back up. But who wants to get to that place to begin with? Who are you treasuring? What are you placing your hope and your joy in? If your treasure is here on earth, I'm telling you, you're in jeopardy of being bankrupt. You're in jeopardy of losing your joy and peace and going through a hard season that no one wants to go through. But if you play, you know what we can't lose here on earth? is our relationship with Jesus because he's beyond space, time. He's beyond this reality. I went out of town last week. I went out of town last week and I, um, I was gone for a week. And while I was there, I decided to... to um, I just, I really didn't do much, but I decided to find um, a church to go to, and I was looking up uh, different church events throughout the week. So I was just looking at different church websites, and I came across this one church, the biggest church in, in that area, and I think this was like Tuesday I found this, Wednesday, and that weekend, they were having a singles event, and it was basically a glorified speed dating event. 
there was going to be like 75 single guys and 75 single girls, and there was registration. This whole thing, I'm like, I am for sure not telling my family about this because they're going to make me go to this. <laughs> and so I was like, no. And so it was actually a really cool idea. Um, I thought about just going just, just to be an observer because Christian dating is something that we don't know how to do around here. So um, I thought it was, a, <laughs> honestly, Christians don't know how to date. And I've been there before too, so. Um, so I was looking at it, and I looked at the, the this is the point of the story. I, I, I was looking at the, the, the ages for this, for this um, event, and it was 23 to 39 years old. And I remember this, this is, this is the first thought I thought was like, oh, they have older people in there, 39. And the next thought was, Josh, you are the older people. <laughs> I was, and I was like, oh my God, I am the older people. And what's funny is I, my whole, I've been in ministry my whole life. I've been used to working with like age groups when it comes to young adult ministry. So this was the first time that I was on the other end of that. And I'm going to tell you, I wish I could have just laughed about it. I didn't just laugh about it. I was first kind of like, I was upset about it. I said, and I began talking to the Lord and I said, Lord, here I am working for you, I've surrendered my life to you, not perfectly, but to the best of my ability, I've surrendered my life to you. And if I were to be in this event, I would be one of the older ones. And I, and I honestly, I, I don't know if I got upset, but I was, I was just like, really, Lord? Really? How come you haven't released me to marry somebody? And I'm, I'm fine, but it was just like a moment of contemplation, a moment of realization. Wow, I'm not 23 anymore. I'm not 24 anymore. I'm not 25. I'm almost 40. And I began going through this, and I feel like the Lord reminded me. He said, Josh, when you follow me, there's a price that has to be paid. He said, you following me and obeying me to the best of your ability, is the price you pay. You see, when you come to Jesus, you can't just come and do what you want. There's a price that has to be paid. And for me, this is part of the price. I don't know how long it's going to be until he release, if he ever releases me, but this is the price. And in your life, there are certain things he's asking you to do, and you have a choice. Are you going to pay the price or not? You can deceive yourself to think, I don't have to pay that price, and I'm still going to go on. You, you won't go on because there's a price to go to the next level. Listen, I work for a church. Every weekend of my life is busy. It's busy. And there's certain weekends I get to go out of town, and people ask me to do things all the time on the weekend. But this is the price that I'm paying. And this is the price that many of us pay. And the truth is we can enjoy our treasure. We can enjoy it now or we can enjoy it then and there is treasure that god will give us in this life but in reality if we're going to follow jesus this life is a life of surrendering ourselves to him where are you storing up your treasure is it in this life or is it in the next life i'm going to say it again if you treasure what you can find in, in this life, then you're in danger of losing 
your peace and joy. But if you treasure, store up treasure for the next life, you'll have a reward that is far beyond than what we can understand. One more verse, 2 Corinthians 5.16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, even though our body is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, listen how he, this is powerful. Listen how he describes this short time here on earth. For this light momentary affliction, not getting what we want, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He's saying the, the, the glory of the rewards he's going to give us is, you can't even put it on the same scale. It's beyond. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. They're never going to fade away. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your energy? If we truly believed that parable about the treasure, if we, re- I mean, this is the truth. If we could like just glimpse, if he could just open the veil to the other side of eternity, you would never spend any energy resource on this life again because you'd realize everything is being invested into the future. There are going to be people in heaven who are where no one's here on earth, no one's, and they're going to rule and reign over us. You can be, I could keep going. What are we doing with our time and energy?